Welcome to the Ignite Physio Podcast. This podcast inspires physiotherapists and other health professionals to continue learning and growing in their practice and career. We explore professional issues with a fresh lens and delve into topics that help to expand our capacity for growth. This is episode number 52, and I'm Andrew. And I'm Maxie. All right. Well, Maxie, today we are live in person again. Last live time we were person. recording remotely, which yeah. had its challenges. Yeah, and it's never, it's never the best experience. <laughs> no, yeah. face-to-face is yeah. always better. Yeah. So uh, today we have a guest on the show, Glenda Lane. She's a fellow physiotherapist from Edmonton. Uh, so she's been practicing for 28 years, and about eight years ago she was uh, started to do life coaching to help other therapists overcome burnout. So welcome, Glenda. Mm, thank you. Really pleased to be here. Yeah, so we're going to continue the conversation that we've had around burnout. We've done a couple episodes. Uh, episode 46 was on burnout. Episode 49 was on self-care. Mm-hmm. Back last fall, I did a webinar for Ignite members on burnout and the whole topic of career alignment. So I feel like we've touched on the topic, but I think it's always good to get fresh perspective. Absolutely. And for and, and for some from somebody who's also actively thinking about it and trying to to inject some ways of addressing. Yeah. <laughs> and I, right? and other, than, mm-hmm. other than you and I kind of, you know, saying, well, that's what I do, and that's what I do. Well, and I think it's one of those topics that is often not talked about. And I think therapists are, I mean, I think really any health professional, but therapists, when we're spending a lot of time with people one-on-one, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's something that we often will fail to talk about and really aren't well equipped to address. Right. And um, so Glenda, it's great to have you on the show today. And so we're excited to hear a little bit about your professional journey. We really hope that other physiotherapists and clinicians can, uh, you know, glean some insights and, you know, learn from your journey. And so just thought if you could share with uh, our listeners a little bit about your clinical background and what kind of setting you currently work in. Sure. So I am a McGill grad from... Oh my goodness, 91, you guys. Like, <laughs> feel really <laughs> old. Don't count the number of years. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's almost it's, 29, it's not that, right? It's not that long ago. I know. <laughs> so, after graduating from McGill, I worked in Ottawa at the General Hospital there, acute care for a year and a half. And so, I moved to Edmonton in 93. I worked at Kinsman Sports Center Physical Therapy for, I think it was about 16 years. Was I there when you were there? Yeah. Yes. I do believe so. Yes. I do believe so, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that was what? Or was it, or no, maybe it was just after I left. It's, it's not that long ago. I know, but it's a bit blurry, because <laughs> I know that you were in the class that I TA'd yes, at the university. Right. So yeah. I'm thinking that's the first time we met. Yes. And I'm trying to, you know what? I don't think I was there. I think I had just left. It was in 2010. 2010. Okay. So yes, yes, I was not there. Okay. Yeah. So that was after. But your, but your ships cross. Yes. You, you cross paths yes. more in the, in the educational setting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's where yeah. we first met. Yeah. So and where, where did you and I first Maxie, meet? Maxie, I was trying, I was trying to figure that out. Oh, it was like eons ago. Eons like, ago. <laughs> like, like probably pretty soon after I moved here, maybe. And I can't remember actually if we met met or if it was more like I knew who you were, you knew who I was, and we might have had a conversation at some like over the yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. so yeah, it's not clear. Yeah. <laughs> well and also like I moved into I, as a patient into kids. Yes. So right. I may have even seen you as so, a therapist possibly, briefly possibly as a patient. <laughs> yes, that's that's right. possible too. Yeah. Yeah. And then just knowing, uh, of course, being at the U and, exactly, and, yeah. and having friends there that are profs and also mm-hmm. TAing there. So who knows? Yeah. But yeah, it's been a while. But yeah, the web, 
the web. The web. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I was there for 16 years, and then I actually left the profession. So I'll tell you a little more about that, mm-hmm. but I actually left. And then I had kids, and so I've been working very part-time in the last 10 years as a physio, and several different clinics, and I'm currently at Cura um, in the West End, and there are a couple days a week. So, yeah, and then in that time as well, I started doing my training for... I'm going to say life coaching, but it was very specific towards energy, actually. Oh, yeah. So energy is kind of my jam and took two year long, deep dive, intensive trainings on that mm-hmm. where you're looking at your own stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about helping other people mm-hmm. um, with their energy blocks in there, but it's like in, in doing so, you really have a look at your own stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I went on that journey as well. And that really started when I was 33, my, my mom passed away. And that was kind of like a big, big bomb that went off in my life. And it sort of set me on this path of personal, spiritual growth. I ended up training with an intuitive psychic for a couple of years Uh while I was doing physio still. Very much for me, not thinking I would ever do that Mm -hmm. type of work, just more like a personal thing. Mm -hmm. And then it's just kind of... I don't know how many workshops, intensives, courses, uh, trainings that I've taken over the last, you know, 15 years in that realm. But I wear two hats, physical therapist, and I'm an intuitive energy coach and soul guide. And and I can't really pull them apart. You know, it's like who I am. And so I do bring a lot of what I've learned in that realm into physio now as well. So cool. Yeah. So it's been quite a journey, right? It has. It's, uh, it's it like has. a non. I mean, I think this is the cool thing. Is that, <laughs> I mean, all three of us sitting here, our yeah. career paths have taken very non-traditional mm-hmm. routes, yep. right? Yeah, <laughs> and it started out very much that way. I mean, I have, you know, I got all the credentials. I've got yeah. my sports diploma and my went through all the levels of the orthopedics. It was Part B back then oh, when I got yeah. my Part Bs. You know, medical acupuncture, and I've got visceral training, and so. I was very much on that kind of path and mm-hmm. I worked, was part of the Canadian medical team at a couple of universiad games in Turkey and Beijing and, and sports was very kind of my focus at mm-hmm. that, at that time. And it's funny to see that now my practice, as much as I love the sports, it's definitely deviated, mm-hmm. um, still in musculoskeletal. Mm-hmm. So I'm one of the few non pelvic health therapists at Cura. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> right? sort of their, uh, um, um, so yeah, but that's, it really, even within my physio career, it has taken a different mm-hmm. path. So. Yeah. so you left the career, you mm-hmm. said. So yes. was that because of burnout? I think it was a stage of burnout. I think it was, I wouldn't call it complete burnout. Mm-hmm. I think what I refer to is like the early stages. Mm-hmm. And where I was at, the couple years prior to that, I had kind of lost the passion for what I was doing. It was one of those like, didn't, you know, waking up in the morning, I wasn't excited to go to work. And I see this a lot in actually um, other physios that I've talked to and and clients that I've worked with is this sense of like unfulfillment, you know, and, and especially having done all the things, right. It's like, okay, well, I got this credential and then I got this credential and then I got this, you know, and I've done the things and I've traveled and, and then you just, it's like, I thought it would be different. I thought I would somehow feel fulfilled. And of course, when we're looking outside of ourselves to fill that, that's not the thing that actually does it. Right. So, so there was a little bit of that going on. And also the year leading up to that, I had two miscarriages. And so just from an emotional, 
physical, hormonal, I mean, all, oh, all that huge. goes with yeah. that, right? And I, I was at, you know, laugh, I was at uh, an intensive, like a meditation retreat, and I just got this deep message, like, you need to quit your job. Hmm. And it wasn't, you need to get another physio job. It was, you need to leave yeah. what you're doing. And of course I had conversations with my husband around it. And we decided that, yes, this was the thing for me to do. And then a month after I stopped working, I got pregnant with my daughter <laughs> and I didn't understand how stressed my system was. Mm. So that mm-hmm. was the main thing right there was that. You know, when you're in it, it's so hard to know, right, until you're out of it to go, yeah. holy smokes, like, well, and like I was stressed. And that's right? one of the things, like, you know, just from my personal experience, mm-hmm. going through a particular situ- situation, still going through yeah. it. Yeah, You really don't. Like, you, it's like, mm-hmm. it, because it's like a fish in the water. The fish yeah. doesn't know what's in the water. No. So another fish goes, hey, how's the water? Yeah. And you go, what water? <laughs> yeah. You know? In the water? I'm in water? <laughs> totally. And and so and so until you start to kind of pull out of it and you begin to see and feel yes. like that sensual level of it as well, yeah. you start to feel how you're changing yeah. and shifting Wow, like it, it totally. You yeah. keep talking, right? but I'm yeah, I'm picking up on yeah. what you're saying. And totally. it and it was very when you've lived with chronic stress, which is now what I understand I was living with for many years. It's your norm, like mm-hmm. it's what you know. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything different, and we're talking from being like a kid mm-hmm. because of. You know, we'll talk a little bit about patterns that we take on as children around that have to do with the beliefs that we take on as a result of our experiences, all these things. I believed that I needed to prove my worth Mm -hmm. through what I call myself a serial achiever, right? Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like I need to prove that I'm worthy in order Mm -hmm. to stay safe and loved. And I did it through this. This mm-hmm. was what I could do. Through right? the achievements of... Through the achievements. Like the all through school, too. right? Getting like top marks and yeah. valedictorian and all, just like all the things, right? Yeah. And and that I had to excel. And, and so that pressure that I was putting on myself, and it was me doing it. It wasn't outside of me. It wasn't my parents. It wasn't like any of that. It was just me deciding that this is what I needed to do. And so I, that was my norm from being a kid. But at, but at some point, though, when you were a kid, you, you did get validated for Absolutely. It. You did get validated. I mean, yeah. you, your parents were proud of you. Sure. Your teachers were proud of you. Sure. You were singled out in some way. So yeah. it's not as though they were saying, well, you know, Linda, in order for you to be of any worth, you need no. to be doing this. But no. there was that. You're going, oh, hey, sure. I get what I need here. Yeah. And I become safer when when... When these people are approving of yeah. me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, it, you know, it wasn't like, you know, I've also heard people who've had parents who were very like, you know, you get 95%, where's the other 5%, right? Yeah. It's like that kind of, and the yeah. push and the whatever. <laughs> My Mine were not that way. In yeah. fact, my mom did her damnedest to get me to chill <laughs> out. Like just, yeah. Yeah. she'd even ask me if I wanted to stay home from school and hang out with her in the backyard in high school. Oh, and you're going, you know, my mom wasn't that cool. Right? I know, I know, right? And she's like, yeah, it's such a nice sunny day because I'd come home for lunch. She's like, why don't you just, and I'm like, mom, I've got a test tomorrow and I have a class this afternoon and what if we cover stuff in this class that's on the test? You know, like just mm-hmm. this yeah. kind of, you know. Mm-hmm. But she did, like I said, she tried, bless her heart, to get me to <laughs> chill out. But yeah, I mean, so it was that chronic stress that I had been living under for a really long time. And then I think just even like the traumas of my mom passing away and, and then right after, so 
two months after she passed, I was diagnosed with my first melanoma mm-hmm. and I've had five now. Oh, wow. I've had five. So that, even that, even though they have all been good and mm-hmm. just removed them and no further treatment and everything's been fine. There's still like that stress, yeah. right? And, and it, and that had manifested also in hormonal imbalances, in digestive issues, chronic neck and back pain, mm-hmm. all the things. And then I eventually, um, this is years later now, had adrenal fatigue. So I did get to that point. Mm. Yeah. So that was kind of like leaving the profession at that point was, I think was early burnout. Right. And then the actual burnout, I would say was four years ago, well, 2016. Yeah. I was working as part-time as a physio and also um, doing my coaching and being a mom of two girls. So all that comes with it, you know, it's not just the pressure I'd put on myself as a physio, but then also a coach and also a wife and also a mom and also the, like the daughter and like all the things that was just kind of how I, you know, I was playing the gotta get it right game throughout my life. Cause I believed I had to mm. right? that kind of perfectionism that comes out. And so I was trying to do it all and do it all like, you know, well, And so I, yeah, I ended up getting to a point and I actually didn't realize it was in it again. It was my mentor, Jennifer Huff, who, who basically said like Glenda, like if you don't stop how you are being, you're headed down a not so nice path. Mm. And it's really fascinating because my mom passed away from pancreatic cancer at the age of 60 and her mom passed away from pancreatic cancer. And there's apparently no genetic link But when you look at the pancreas, it's, um, you know, in Chinese medicine, of course, it's linked with the spleen and it's about worry, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And it really is about losing, not being in touch with the sweetness of life. Mm -hmm. And when you're in that chronic stress mode, you're not in -hmm. touch with the sweetness of life. Mm -hmm. And I knew that if I, like just this deep knowing was like, if I don't shift course here, I'm headed down the same path. Mm -hmm. Like I just had had this knowing about it, you know? And so she encouraged me. She's like, can you take a month off? Can you just, yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, exactly. But honestly, I was so stressed at that point. I had reached that bottom point of like, okay, I need to. And realizing that I had to, like, I was just at that point where I had to. Mm -hmm. And it was crazy. I mean, I would spend, I would be resting. I'd be relaxing, you know, just lying in bed. And my nervous system was like so incredibly agitated Mm. and revved up, Mm -hmm. right? So completely dysregulated. And it felt like I wanted to crawl out of my skin. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, I am relaxing here. Like (laughs) I'm not doing anything. For all intents and purposes, your your should be in a nice calm state. Yeah. Yeah. But I also was at a point where like when I first when I went through those early stages of burnout years before, I was so not in touch with my body. I was literally like a head on a stick walking around. I was not, I was not in touch with how I was feeling. I didn't want to be in my body quite honestly. I don't want to be with the pain that I'm feeling. I don't want to be with this, you know, all the dysfunction that's going on. And so I literally would be like, Nope. So then to literally slow down and give yourself that time to be in touch with, Oh, wow. Holy crap. This is what I'm feeling. This is what's going on. And it was really uncomfortable. Like I had to, cause I wanted to just get up and move and do something, but I just forced myself. And then I came through it hmm. and I was able to get to the other side of that and go, 
wow, this is what it actually feels like. Mm-hmm. You're not this like state over here. So it kind of got worse before it got yeah. better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In terms of my perception. Yeah. yeah. Kind of what I'm hearing as well is that there's this impulse to do. Yes. To do, to yeah. fix, to do. To do. So we, mm-hmm. we talk about, you know, how we project onto our, our the people that we work with, yeah. the mm-hmm. patients that we see, yeah. but also how that's kind of like, so all this is going on with you mm-hmm. and you're going, okay, well now I'm, I'm going to relax and that's even doing something. Yeah. Right. Well, for sure. Kind of I hear is to do something to yeah. mitigate this. Yeah. Right. And then you're noticing, well, even doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm aware of just how I am being in yeah. this world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. On a, on a 24 seven basis. Yeah. And I don't think it's uncommon in our profession, you know, whether we label it as type a high achieving, whatever. I mean, even to get into the, into the yeah, was, course yeah. is right. Well, it was like now 97% for you. Right. Like, like what, yeah. Like it's just, what, it's up there. <laughs> I mean, nursing, I believe is around 90%. Yeah. Even just to, right. So, Already we're, you know, we're already achieving high achieving. And so I don't think, and I, and this is a general statement. I don't, I'm not gonna say every physio is this way, but I think it's quite prevalent in our profession Mm -hmm. that we are doers and we are achievers. And, and we, I know for me that came from the belief of not enoughness. Mm -hmm. That was what drove me. And this was honestly, I call achieving my drug of choice. Yeah. This was my not coffee. <laughs> no, not coffee. No, I can't even drink caffeine. I was telling you guys, you can't drink caffeine because it's actually I'm really sensitive to it, and it revs me up. It gives me that <gasps> agitation. I start shaking. It's kind of crazy. So, I mean, I worked in a busy sports clinic, patient every 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, and and it wasn't like I was just seeing patients for 15 minutes. They would be there for an hour. So I'm like, it's like I got four people on the go, yeah. and you know, like it was. Mm. But that's what I knew. I didn't know any different. Well, and, that's that's a, what, yeah. and that's what everybody mm-hmm. else is doing. Yes. Well, so it's yeah. a culture. It is. It's a yeah. culture. Yeah. And I mean, now, I mean, at Cura, it's half an hour and it's an hour for an assessment. So very different mm-hmm. where I'm working now. And I don't know that I could work any differently. I couldn't because of how I work now and, yeah. and mm-hmm. connection is really key for me in, in treating my patients. The 15 minutes, I have. I, I can't I do that can't either. Do it, yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah, there's this go, 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 this do, do, do. And I remember, um, when I was recovering from the burnout and I had come to the other side and I was in a much more relaxed place, but then I was starting to incorporate doing some things back into, and I remember bursting out into tears. I was about to go to the grocery store <laughs> and, and I burst out into tears and I just said to my husband, I said, I don't know how to do this without pushing. Mm-hmm. Like I was so used to doing with mm-hmm. the push, this mm-hmm. kind of like pressure push. And, and I said, I don't know how, like, I yeah. don't know how to do this. And in all his wisdom, he said, plug into some music and just don't, don't go with the kids. First of all, you're going by yourself and just see if you can enjoy it. Cause I don't like grocery shopping. It's not one of my things. Right. <laughs> so like, I'd rather not. Um, so, so I was like, how do I find the joy in this? Right. But he, but, but he was right. And I, I wouldn't say I like really enjoyed it, but it certainly didn't take me out like yeah. I had in the past. And it, honestly, it was relearning how to incorporate doing things in my life without the push. Mm-hmm. And now, honestly, you feel like you're losing it and going crazy sometimes. Mm-hmm. You really do because mm-hmm. you're so, when you're starting to disentangle from those patterns that you have run you for so long, there's almost a bit of, um, 
even though it's crazy and stress inducing, it's what you know, mm-hmm. right? Well, it's your identity as well. Exactly. It's, it's what into, you know. It's woven yeah. into who you believe you are. Exactly. Well, and that state almost becomes comfortable. Yes. Even exactly. though it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Yes. Levels, it is comfortable. It's comfortable because you're like, this is the place that I know. This is what I know. I, I, even though these sensations are not good and I don't like them, it's like this level of anxiety or push or pressure, whatever it is is what I know. And so yeah. that's, yeah. And then that, that's what you end up gravitating towards, yeah. right? And the uncertainty of what is there if there isn't this? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And a, what am I going to find? Yeah. What am I going to find if there's yeah. an abyss? Yeah. And who am I without these patterns? Yeah. yeah. You know, like, like really, who am I? And that's, you know, I always say to people, I mean, the, the coaching work that I do with people is really, it's about remembering who you are without mm-hmm. all the patterns. Mm-hmm. And it's first identifying what those are, because when you don't even have awareness that these patterns are in your life, you, you can't change them. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's that awareness. And then it's learning to disentangle from them and create new patterns, Mm -hmm. healthier ones for yourself, and then have the tools to support that, Mm -hmm. you know, and have the, like, I, I don't, I wouldn't have been able to move through that on my own. Mm -hmm. I really, without the support that I had. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for me, it's like, yeah, this, this is what I want to help people with because not only am I helping and, and I'm, you know, I have physios as clients, other healthcare workers and teachers are another one, right? It's another group, right? Not only am I helping them, but the change in them is going to impact their patients. It's Mm -hmm. going to impact their families. It's going to impact the classrooms. It's going to impact, right? So it has this ripple effect. And so, you know, it's just become a passion of mine to really, to let people know there's another way. Because people who are really caught up in the do, 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 and aren't even aware that this is what's going on, it feels really hard. Mm -hmm. It feels hard. It feels like struggle. There's not, the joy does not live there. Fear is motivating everything. Mm-hmm. And I call that surviving your life. Like mm-hmm. you literally are in this survival mode. You're, you're operating according, according to the shoulds, have tos and musts, mm-hmm. right? And you're just, I don't believe that's what we're here to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we're here to create and play and enjoy our lives. And sure, we're going to have stuff along the way, but this default way of being that's, I don't believe that's what we're meant to be in. And so even just to let people know that there is another way mm-hmm. and having lived through it and knowing it myself and then seeing my clients go through it, you know, it really has just become a passion of mine. Like I said, yeah. because I don't think we're supposed to live like that. Yeah. But I think it's tough though, right? Like, you know, you're working full time clinically, you're seeing patients every 15, 20 minutes, you're in a bit of a pressure cooker yep. and you know, I think that's hard, you know, and just, and I know from the conversations I've had with even newer grads, yes. it's not just the clinicians that have been practicing for 10, 15 years no. that are struggling with this. No. It's actually, you know, the ones that are new to practice that are actually feeling quite disillusioned. Oh, right. Totally. And, and I'm like, man, like, so, so what do you say to that therapist who's like, cause I mean, it's always this, like, and I think this is sort of something that you, you know, you alluded to in terms of like, you were always in this giving stage. You had these expectations of like mother, clinician, mm-hmm. daughter, you're, you know, you're mentioning this. And I think that that's the challenge. I think as therapists is that we always are trying to meet the needs of other people, yeah. trying to meet the expectations of other people, whether those are patients, whether those are employers, whether yeah. that's colleagues, then let's not even, you know, like not forget about everything that's outside of work. Right. Yeah. And so I just think that that's like, that's a tough, like it's, it's tough to, to be mm-hmm. when you're in the pressure cooker of 
seeing patients and giving and having to meet those expectations on a like day-to-day -day basis, yeah. right? Yeah, and, and that you you may not have a direct influence on the systems that are imposing that, yeah. those structures upon right. you, right? And so, yeah. so I know now, I mean, I don't want to shift gears too much, but yeah. you know, the, the idea of, of now within systems are looking not just at patient satisfaction and better outcomes and mm -hmm. more efficient systems. Mm -hmm. They're looking at provider yeah. health mm -hmm. and provider Absolutely. satisfaction because they recognize that there's too much quote unquote burnout yep. yeah. and that actually you can't be with people and help them in a genuine way when you are in that state. Yeah, you can. Right? And so yeah. so there's a lot of, like you said, Glenda, ripple effects mm -hmm. of, of being able to have some semblance of, of uh, being grounded within a genuine yeah. sense of self and joy in your work and what you're doing. Yeah. Well, and I know that, you know, giving, I also believe that's what we're here to do and receive. So it's not, it's not just a one way street, yeah, exactly. right? But also it's never okay at the cost of your own well-being. That's what I've come to know. I used to give at the cost of my well-being. Now it's like, no, if it's depleting my tank, if it's, draining me in any way that is not like I'm not able to show up fully mm -hmm. I'm not able to give in the way that I want to give you know say give from overflow right if you get down to and you're operating on fumes at the bottom of the gas tank whatever is you are giving is not full it's not like all that it's not quality giving mm -hmm. and so you know, even, gosh, even within religion, mm -hmm. right? There's, I mean, there's just so many different ways that we, we take on this belief that unless you are the giver, mm -hmm. unless you are giving and putting other people first, you're not a good person, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. These beliefs around that. And, and even within our profession, you're trying to meet your patient's needs. Mm -hmm. Yes. And your needs absolutely have to be paramount and have to be met because then you can't meet their needs. Yeah, not right? in the long term. Yeah, exactly. You can't. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I mean, even I remember the early days looking back. I remember being that new physio of like, gosh, you're just even like grappling with how do I do this mm -hmm. and do and, and the, just the constant questioning of like, do I know what to do? Do I, you know, this right whole, yeah. and then like yeah. focusing on what I don't know versus like all the things I don't know instead of what I do know yeah. compounded with the people coming in so often. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't eat. I wouldn't, we had no built-in food breaks Yeah. and we had, and I would like, I'd be so behind, I wouldn't go to the bathroom. Like I would hold it till I absolutely had to go yeah. Yeah. because I was like, Oh, I'm going to get further behind. Yeah. Well, you right? had all that stress of that. Yeah. Like, right. To compound well, everything. And it talks about staying on top. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it is. It is. That's what your whole day starts revolving yeah. around. It's not about patients anymore and yeah. care. I came, right? to, I came to know how long 15 minutes was without looking at a watch. Like I could just tell you, oh yeah, 15 minutes is yeah. now. Yeah. Right? I just, I just, like it just became yeah. so ingrained. Well, and you talk about nervous system dysregulation. Yes. I mean, that is uh, right? the epitome of totally. that. Right? Because I mean, you're basically in this fight or flight response. All like you're, the time, and yeah. You're, and I mean, your body is like not even able to do the functions it needs to do. Yeah. Because yeah. you're like. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end of the day, you're in the staff room and you sit down and you're like. And yeah. you start to do your chart, and then you start right? Chart. And yeah. you're like, yeah. So, um, and I worked the, I worked 
the afternoon evening shift. So I mean, there oh, were I many, many a day I didn't leave before <laughs> nine o'clock at night, right? Yeah. And so when so, are you eating? When are you eating? When are you digesting? Yeah, all of it. You're eating late. Sandwich. You're eating when you're done your patients. You're yeah. having dinner like like much later. Yeah. You would maybe grab, you know, you'd run into the staff room, shove something in your face, and for food partway through the day because yeah. you're about to pass out, and then go out. <laughs> like it was just, and I would even do techniques on people that would hurt my body, but mm. it's like no, this is for the good of the patient. Yeah. So I'm gonna do the thing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. and now I'm like, no, like that is not really what we're, we're meant to be doing. And I think that there's several things that I know led to my, so here's the thing about, about burnout. You can be engaging in all the self care things. So you can be eating well and you can be exercising and you can be getting your sleep and maybe even doing some meditating, maybe going for a massage. All of that doesn't matter if your perspective and beliefs are still about, I've got to get this right. I've got to put everyone else before me. So there's this idea. It's really this internal shift that needs to happen within you because, and here's the thing, self-care can't get you out of burnout. It's like when you are in full on burnout, if you're in adrenal fatigue and you're, you're dysregulated, it's kind of like saying to someone who's stressed, just calm down. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. just calm yourself. Just breathe. No one wants to hear that when they're in that state. And it's the same with burnout. It's like, just do these things for self-care. Right? Exactly. It's one more thing. Totally. And so the self-care comes in and, or you've got to find joy. Right? Someone's burnout. You've got to find your joy. Just be grateful. Right? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Find some gratitude. Find your joy. And you're just like, like what? Like, <laughs> I don't have the bandwidth. I honestly do not have the bandwidth to focus on that stuff. So when you're in that really deep burnout, it's important to, you know, for me, obviously I went through that month off. It may not be that for everybody, but it's just simply, you've got to give yourself the, the rest that you need. You've got to slow down. You've got to quiet. You've got to allow your nervous system to become regulated. And that also involves shifting your beliefs, which are driving your behaviors because mm-hmm. you can change the behaviors. But if the beliefs are still there, then all of a sudden, then you're feeling guilty for not doing the things mm-hmm. because you still believe you need to be doing them, but you're not. It was kind of like when I first started resting, I didn't give myself full permission to rest. It was like, okay, I'm resting because I've been told it's the thing I need to do. But inside I was feeling guilty. I was beating myself up for resting. That's not true resting. See what I mean? So it's like you can't, and your nervous system can't settle if you're braiding yourself at all. Yeah. Right? So then I recognize, oh, wait a second. Okay. No, this has got to be yes. I'm a full-on yes to doing this, and I'm choosing this. And, right? And regardless of... That because there's the there's also the interplay between our beliefs and the people that we surround ourselves with or the yep. environments that we're in. So like for me, I can say that and for five minutes I can be there, but then it would be like, you know, but so and so is doing this, but so and so is doing this. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. but so and so would never do this. Or right. I bet you so and so could do this and this. <laughs> yeah. I bet you they're completely yeah. regulated and doing this. I should That's be able to do that. Damn it, I'm Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but it's like, what are you 
talking yeah. about? You have no idea about anybody else. You so don't. now you're projecting all. Uh, no, I'm projecting all of my story onto somebody else yeah. and making this person out to be yeah. the god that I apparently feel I should. And then beating yourself up because you're not up. that. And yeah. yeah, you have no idea what's going on for them, right? Like when I told when I kind of fessed up that this was going on for me, people were shocked. They're like, Glenda, but you're so zen, you're so calm, calm and grounded, <laughs> right? Like you're so, it's kind of, uh, the analogy is a duck on water, right? So the duck is gliding along, but really pedaling fast yeah, underneath, yeah, and you yeah, can't yeah, see yeah. that, yeah, right? Yeah. So you just never know. You- hey, Andrew here. Just a quick break from the podcast, as I wanted to let you know about an innovative web-based tool that I'm building that's going to help optimize your treatment approach and achieve better results with less stress. The reason I'm building this app is to help myself and other therapists more deeply understand our patients so that we can avoid the potential pitfalls that can jeopardize treatment outcomes. So much of what impacts treatment is hidden below the surface, and this tool will help adjust how you approach each patient based on who they are. Think of it as Outcome Measures 2.0. Make sure to check out the show notes for a link to sign up to get my latest updates. All right, back to the show. You never know experiences people have had, what's going on for them, traumas they've had, all sorts of things. And so, yeah, comparing is just just pointless and just, but we do it. But we We're do human, it. We, yeah. right? But it's understanding that that just doesn't help at all. And I, and I also think there's, there's the idea of surrounding yourself with also with like maybe as you I think it's it's not linear but you if you begin to start to shift your beliefs about yourself or, or recognize that you need to you need to do an inventory of that like mm-hmm. you need to really get a sense of what is driving yeah and also speaking with other people who are not necessarily going through the same thing, but people who are maybe at different stages or yep. have a different awareness. Because I think oftentimes, you know, you're surrounded, we, we, we're drawn to people like us yeah. in the states that we're in. Yeah. And so it just gets reinforced. So when we're in that place of, you know, well, I want to get out of this, but everything around me is yeah. holding me here. Yeah. Right. And so detaching becomes exceptionally exceptionally yeah. hard. You yeah. feel almost powerless. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's like totally. I'm gonna lose everything. I'm gonna lose my friends, I'm gonna lose I'm gonna lose my colleagues, I'm gonna yeah. lose like the loss. Yeah. So it's like, whoa, I, that's just a little too it's scary. Too much, too scary. Too yeah. much, too scary, too yeah. uncertain. I'm just gonna stay here because yeah. this is what I know and it's easier. Yeah, and the thing is it's <laughs> Thriving is not about security and safety. It's about the unknown. It's about being, it's like expanding your capacity to be with the unknown because we know that change is constant, Mm -hmm. right? Whereas survival is all about having to know. It's all about staying safe. Survival is being driven by fear. Thriving is not. Fear is not the motivator. Love is actually the motivator for thriving. And it's about creativity and it's about stepping outside of your comfort zone and creating something new that's never been created before. And it's about allowing your actions to be fueled by what you desire versus the shoulds, have tos and musts or fear motivating you. Right. So it's like being inspired by love instead of being motivated by fear mm-hmm. the, that that's the difference. Yeah. And when I say love, I'm not talking about like, you know, cushy, cushy stuff. I'm talking about love in terms of what's in the highest here. What's in the highest for me? What's in the highest for the people involved in the decision that I'm about to make? Mm-hmm. So it involves love for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not just love for, for whoever, no. you know, it's, it's about. So it, it involves 
And some people are just at a really have a hard time even accepting themselves. Never mind loving. Mm. You know, I've had clients where it's like it's too too much of a stretch. I'm like, okay, can we at least go from not liking yourself and beating yourself up to just accepting, mm-hmm. and then maybe liking, mm-hmm. and then maybe you know, then maybe sort of this loving, and then maybe this like em- embracing and real mm-hmm. embodiment of like, yeah, this is who I am. And so there's even different stages of that. Yeah. Right. Well, and that would be quite a shift if you Mm -hmm. could look at that, you know, even just in terms of your patient care to say, I'm going to shift from this mode of performing to a mode of loving Mm -hmm. my patients, Mm -hmm. which would be like, whoa, what's that all about? Because we don't ever think about that. Right. Like that would take a, you know, that would be interesting to see how does that change my clinical practice? And how does that change the interaction with my patients? If I can just even make that shift, right? Well, and that's what the shift I have made. Yeah. So there's a couple of things that really led to my burnout and the stress that I was under. One of them is I was carrying and carrying is a term, again, my mentor uses and carrying, carrying is caring plus worry. So in other words, we have equated that if caring and worry go together, it's like, if I care about you, Therefore, that means I also worry about you Mm -hmm. or for, right. And if I'm not worrying about you, then it means I don't care. It's all symbiotic. (laughs) Synchronous. But it's true. Like, I mean, I think of this in my own patients where it's, you know, you worry about how they're doing. You worry about maybe the outcomes they're not achieving. And then you put that on yourself. You're like, what am I not doing right? What am I missing? Yeah. And it just adds this whole other layer, which is interesting because I remember, you know, going to a course that was about sleep and everything, but they were talking about one of the biggest drivers of fatigue Mm -hmm. isn't actually loss of sleep, but it's actually anxiety. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So if you can imagine, so I know what I was doing before, like leading up to the burnout was I was carrying my patients. So when you have so many patients in a day and you're carrying all of those, and then I was carrying my kids and I was carrying my husband, I was carrying my brother, like, you know, like all the people in my life and carrying also means taking on the responsibility for their well-being. In other words, if you're not happy, it's up to me to change that. What song and dance do I have to do to make you happy? Exactly. (laughs) This whole kind of people pleasing thing. And that's what carrying really is about. And it wasn't until I learned this. So I'm going to bring some energy stuff into this is if you can imagine that you, so you have energy in your body and you have energy in your, in your energetic space. And let's just, I'm going to call it your bubble. So say you're in your bubble, which scientifically has been proven with the heart math Institute that we literally have an energetic or aura around us. Right? So I'm in my bubble and let's say, Andrew, you're a patient of mine and, um, and you have your energy in your bubble. Okay. And we're going to just color my energy purple. Cause I like purple. And what color do you like? <laughs> Pick a color. I like orange. Orange. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so I've got purple, my purple energy in my bubble and you've got your orange. Now, When we carry people, when we worry about them, it's from a good place. It's from a caring place, right? And so ultimately, though, what we're doing energetically is when I worry about you, I'm taking some of my purple energy and putting it in your bubble. Okay? So I'm my energy is like being, some of it is like over here with you the minute I worry about you. So it's not in me, first of all. So you can see how that would be depleting Mm -hmm. for me because now my energy is not in me. It's like over here with you. In addition, what's happening is I'm taking up space where your energy could be. 
because all of a sudden my energy is in your field. And when someone else's energy is in you in or in your field, it doesn't feel good because it's not yours. Mm. It feels like a foreign entity almost, right? So A, that's not going to feel comfortable. And on an energetic level, the minute I worry about you, what you are going to pick up, whether you're conscious of it or not, is me basically saying, I don't think you've got it. You need me. You need me to help fix whatever, you know, whatever the the story is, because I don't believe in fixing. No one needs fixing. And so it's disempowering to you Mm -hmm. for me to be worried about you in that way. So energetically, that's what you're going to feel. So in the end, it doesn't help me and it actually doesn't help you for me to worry. And the minute that I learned that I was like, oh, wow, because, you know, just say, stop worrying about someone. Mm -hmm. But when you realize that actually, no, it's not, it's not helping. And in all, and ultimately what it is, it's saving versus serving. So I'm trying to save you in some way instead of actually what would serve you. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So, so it's kind of like really it's, it's a, it's a lose, lose. (laughs) Like, like I, I get depleted and you, there's not room for as much room for you in your space. And also this energy of like, you need me Yeah, that you're not a sovereign being that has everything within you Mm -hmm. to either heal yourself or to move forward or whatever it is. And so that has been a really big switch for me is to not carry my patients anymore. Mm -hmm. And so my perspective, and you know, this happens in the medical field where the healthcare professional is kind of up on a pedestal and the patient comes in and they hand their power over to us and say, Fix me. Fix me. Yeah. Right. And we, and I'll tell you as young physio, my ego loved that. Mm-hmm. I was like, yep, yeah, I'm the one mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm the awesome one here. And now it's like that to me is not what, like, this is the shift that needs to happen within healthcare is we're side by side. Like you're no, like I'm no greater than you are as a being, right? It's like, it's like, you have a divine spirit within this human body, mm-hmm. as do I. You're not more of a spirit. I'm not more of a spirit. We're just yeah. like, you know what I mean? Yeah. We are side by side. And so I'm very clear with my patients now. It's like, I'm here to be side by side with you. We're going to try some things. And if they start handing their power over to me, I gently hand it back and say, yeah. right? And it's really this taking this self-responsibility as well. So I don't allow that anymore. I don't allow myself to be put up on a pedestal and I don't allow them to hand their power over to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm very clear that this is my, this is how I'm approaching it. Are you game with that? Mm-hmm. Like, is this what, are you on board? And that has really changed things for me because now I get to, I show up and I'm just going to be really present and just do what I can. Mm-hmm. And, and if it isn't the thing, then it's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, I've had, I know I've had sessions with patients where honestly, it wasn't even what I did with them. It was the one thing I said, and I could see, I could feel the shift in them. Right. Mm-hmm. And it had nothing to do with their injury. It was something completely different. And so we don't know. It's like our beingness is what's being asked for when we show up with our patients. Yes, we're doing some stuff, but really it's about how we're being. And, and so that was kind of a big thing. And then the connection piece, and it's being really intentional when you're used to go, 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 and you're used to kind of like, it's, it's up to me and I got to fix what's really helped me is I'm very intentional that each time I walk into a room 
with the next patient, my intention is to enjoy myself. My intention is to connect with them. My intention is to is to not get into taking on all the responsibility and I've got to fix them. It really is like I have to be conscious. It's a conscious intention mm-hmm. right now because until it becomes habit, mm-hmm. right? You have to be conscious. This is like how you change, how you're showing up. And I just really get that each of us is already the gift that we are. It's not that we have gifts. It's that each of us is a gift period in this lifetime. And you're being the gift all the time, whether you're with your patients, your family, your friends in line at the grocery store with a stranger, it's your beingness all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I don't show up differently with my patients now than I do with my family. I'm just me. And so it's really this being before doing it's like really checking in and how am I doing and how am I feeling do I need to ground before I go into this do I need to do I do some energy clearing too and I'll just talk about that in a second but you know it really is like this tuning in of oh wait a minute I'm feeling a bit frazzled what am I doing oh okay I'm caring let me let go of that they're good they're an all-powerful being I know that they're going to move through this this is part of their journey and I'm just along for the ride, you know? So that has shifted things drastically for me. And then the second thing that I've come to realize is we're all energetic beings, right? Everything's energy, including us. And I didn't understand how sensitive I was energetically Mm -hmm. to taking on people's energies. And so when I would literally be exhausted at the end of the day, I would be in pain. I would have a headache, a tension headache. I'd be in neck and back pain. And I was only working a couple of days a week and this was happening, but it was every time. And I was like, what is going on? And I'd be exhausted. And I recognize that when I'm taking on other people's energies, and this is a way like the whole saving thing too, is I can take on people's energies, take on their emotions, be really affected by other people's emotions. That was really heavy to carry around Mm -hmm. because I'm carrying around stuff that isn't mine. Yeah. And so to even understand that, okay, wow, no wonder. And I just, I wasn't, I was clueless. Now I understand, you know, the best way for me not to take on people's energies is to be fully in me and be fully present. That's what I've learned to do. And there's energy tools that I use on a daily basis. I've also learned energy tools to clear. And this is what I teach people and to ground and to connect. And so how I feel after doing those is like night and day compared to if I'm in fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And so it's just this check-in of like, how am I doing? Where am I at? Mm -hmm. You know, am I breathing? Am I breathing? (laughs) Right. When you're in fight or flight, you're not even breathing. Right. And so if you're noticing you're sighing a lot, it's like, okay, you know, that's, that's another sign. And so those two things, taking on people's energy and also the carrying were, I think the main things that led to my, my burnout. Mm-hmm. It's true. Cause yeah. you can do all the self care yep. in the world. Mm-hmm. And then if you're taking on people's energy and you're taking on their worry, uh, and you know, carrying things, yeah. I mean, that's, you, you'll just sort of constantly be depleting on a daily basis. Yeah. Even though you're trying to fill this cup, yeah, you're just constantly trying to refill, yeah. right? Instead of just being this consistent mm-hmm. state. It's yeah. like, okay, and I would, I'd be able to like fill myself back up, but here we go again. Yeah. Right? And and it's not even just from an energetic perspective. I mean, they've even talked about this in neuroscience with mirror neurons mm-hmm. where, you know, you see someone that is 
emotional or they're going through a really tough time and literally we can mirror and as if it's happening to us and feel it as if it's mm -hmm. going on with us. So even recognizing, you know, when I'm feeling off, my first question is, is this even mine that I'm feeling mm -hmm. nine times out of 10? It's not. Yeah. And even just that awareness yeah. can start shifting things. It's taking those small little moments mm -hmm. and just recentering, re like that pivot that yep. you have to do, whether that's mentally, spiritually, physically, whatever it is, whatever mm -hmm. it is and then be able to say, mm, no, just changing course 2%. Yeah. And that can change your whole day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. it doesn't have to be this big epiphany. It's just no. sort of this, like, okay. It, and it is a reset. It really is like yeah. hitting the reset button and, and just taking this moment to notice, mm -hmm. you know? And, mm -hmm. and I think that, you know, when you're so used to push, 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 it's going to take some practice to not do that. And, and the whole perspective thing really like, like that's it. It's because stress is a result of how you are viewing something. It's not the thing itself. Yeah, it's the perception. Yeah. It's the perception. And so it really is this, how am I looking at this? Mm -hmm. And you know, for instance, if you have the belief that you're not enough, it literally colors the lens that you look at life, mm -hmm. right? It's like, not only are you enough, but there's not enough time. There's not enough money. There's not enough support. There's not, yeah. yeah, it's always this like glass half empty, this lack mm -hmm. And as long as that belief is still running the show, things, things aren't going to shift as much as you try gratitude and as much as you try like yeah. all the things you're told to do or find your joy or whatever it yeah. is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and that's like, I just, it, what, what it's made me think of also is this idea of, okay, we're going to go full out, but I know I've got a holiday. Coming yes. Up, and so mm -hmm. I can, I can recapture or fill the glass or, yeah. or refuel during that holiday. And then I can give her again. Yeah. Right. And, and it's two just days like, later, it's just it's like, like yeah. this. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of like, yeah. it's like holiday. What holiday? Yeah, exactly. What did yeah. I have one? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of like, no, I don't know that, 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 like, I think we have to get out of that sort of boom bust sort of, um, mm -hmm. you know, kind of yeah. like got to do. And then because I'm going to have this space. Yeah. Where, where I'm going to be able to fill that up because your beliefs go with you everywhere you go. Yeah. Totally. And, and I think that part of it too, is that when you're in a helping profession, there is ample opportunity for drainage of your energy, right? Yes. I think that whereas like if you are working, I mean, not that there aren't stresses and other things with mm -hmm. other jobs, but I just, you know, having worked in various mm -hmm. kinds of roles before, yeah. you know, it's very different if you're working at a computer, working on, you know, where maybe your, your human interaction is limited, limited right? Yeah. Versus your face to face, you know, for six, seven hours in a row with people who are coming in with their pain, their challenges, mm -hmm. the emotions of all that, mm -hmm. like th there's lots of opportunity for that drainage to happen, which means that you have to be that much more in tune with how am I actually managing that? Yeah. Like, how am I stewarding my energy yeah. in a way that like the bottom just doesn't keep falling out of it? Yeah, right? totally. And I think too, so this is where I kind of, you know, I may be a little out there for some people, but, but what I have really also come to know is that our body is the messenger of our soul. So what I mean by that is our soul speaks to us through our body and how it does that is through physical sensation, such as pain, such as tension, dysfunction, and disease and through our emotions. And so I have even within myself and in, in some of my patients that I've worked with literally seen pain disappear as a result of a belief shifting. So I think one of my frustrations too, as a physio early on, or not, well, I'm sorry, not about like after 16 years was I could only get so far 
physically treating someone. And I just knew there was more, mm. you know, like I just knew there's something else. And what I've come to know is that there is more, there are beliefs, there are stuck emotions. There's a lot of stuff within the body that is actually creating pain and pain is our body's way of getting our attention. Right. So it's not just, of course there's tissue stuff. Of course there's injury. And of course of that, but kind of, but it's really fascinating when you start to look at, well, why, why did that happen? You know, why did that ankle get sprained? Why did, why was I in this car accident? And there's kind of a, there's a deeper kind of perspective that I take in looking at it. I don't believe in randomness. I think everything happens for us. And so it's really looking at, okay, what, how was my body or my soul trying to get my attention here? And that I know is kind of really not what we're taught in physio and kind of not the, right. We're not taught any of this. Um, this is bringing something new into it, but I can't tell you, I know, for instance, when I have a headache, I'm putting pressure on myself. That's my sign. Glenda, you're back into pressure mode. I know when I have pain between my shoulder blades, I'm carrying, I'm carrying someone. I know if my neck is sore, I'm back in control mode. That's another safety pattern is trying to control things. And it's fascinating when you, when you start to, and everyone has their own, their own pattern, but when you start to understand it's when you start to put together, like I'm always asking people, you know, when did this pain start? And, and they're like, well, and especially when it's out of the blue, you know, those ones where there isn't really quote an injury or mechanism of injury. And then I, I start asking, okay, what was going on in your life at the time? Right. And it really, it like, there's so much correlation between what is going on with us at an emotional, mental, spiritual level that is manifesting in the body. And so I think we're, if we're just focused on the physical, then we're missing a lot. Mm-hmm. And so that's why connection is really important for me. And I ask these questions and I, and I, I, mean, I give them full permission not to answer. Like, look, if this is not something you're comfortable talking about, totally fine. But I'm curious, mm-hmm. like, and, and when you build connection, of course, they're more likely to, to divulge some of that stuff. Yeah. And I've even had them come back the next session and you go, you know, when you asked me about this and what was going on and I couldn't really think, well, here's what I mm-hmm. realized. And it's like, whoa, okay. Right. right? And I think we also have to, because I can, I can hear some therapists saying, but that's, that's not my scope. Right. Right. That's not, that's not a part of what we do. We're not psychotherapists, no. right? Yeah. And, and I think it's, I think we need to be clear that you're not necessarily trying to treat no. a psychological no. diagnosis yeah. or a, it, but a part of us a part of what we are supposed to be doing as yes. physical therapists in terms of we were following a biopsychosocial perspective yep. or a person-centered perspective or a mm-hmm. relationship-centered perspective is that we want to know we want to understand we you might you open up that question yeah and then they can step into it if they choose to step into it right right yeah and it's not you're not probing for something to you're not trying to find something to no. link to so that you can fix it yeah so that you can make this link and you can come up with a solution right you are opening them up to other aspects of what's happening in their experience yes and allowing them, because if you take a humanistic perspective, that as you've mm-hmm. said, mm-hmm. everybody has it within themselves yeah. to figure this out. Yeah. You are guiding that process or creating a space where that can happen yeah. for them. Yeah. And so it's not about you 
fixing no. something socially for them no. or giving them techniques to work with their husband or work with their yeah. kids. Yeah. It's not no, about no. that. No, it isn't. <laughs> it's literally about awareness. Yeah. The bringing into their awareness that, oh, here's this other piece that's mm. contributing. Because, I mean, you guys know when you, when you treat someone who literally walks in vibrating, they're so stressed and they're in pain from head to toe. Like, are you going to get anywhere trying to like treat, I don't know, their shoulder or like whatever to me, it's, it's like, no, we need to address this stress part because we're not going to get anywhere with your pain as long as that nervous system is in fight or flight because mm-hmm. the muscles are tight or in tension, like all those yeah. things. And so for me, you know, now to even recognize, I didn't recognize that when I was in my younger days of physio. And now it's like, I'm very sensitive to it because I, I feel it myself and it's like, Hmm, okay, let's talk a little bit about what's going on and let's, you know, and, and I can help guide them through some meditation processes and stuff like that. Cause they have the training in it, but, but even just recognizing that this is inputting and then they can get help from elsewhere if it's mm-hmm. not in your wheelhouse and by no means am I a psychologist, mm-hmm. but just the, the coaching training that I've done allows me to have an understanding, yeah. right. And then to be able to help them have an awareness, mm-hmm. but I think, and I'm not saying that every physio needs to do that, but I think there's more of this recognition of, wait a second, there's a lot more inputting into what's going on here other than just the physical issue and bringing that into a person's awareness, perhaps having, I mean, we've got a list of psychologists, right, that we can refer to or people to help in whatever realm if they're open to it, you know, but I think that to me, recognizing that has been really big. I'll never forget. I, I treated a guy at Kinsman in my early days and I think he was treating his low back. It just, you know, wasn't fitting the picture, right? It wasn't fitting any picture at so all. And it wasn't getting better. And then he stopped coming and I'm and of course I went, Oh, you know, it was my fault. I couldn't treat them. I wasn't good enough, blah, 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 whatever the story was. And he came back the next year with a knee injury and to see me. And, and so I'm treating him and I said, you know, like, I'm just really curious, like whatever happened with your back? And he's like, oh, the pain's completely gone. And I'm like, really? What happened? Oh, I got a divorce. Mm. I kid you not. I got a divorce <laughs> and his back pain went away. Right? Like, I did I've not think of that it. as a treatment plan. No, no. Right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> and you were yeah. never suggested it. No. no, and I didn't, I didn't even, of course, yeah. did, wouldn't even know what yeah. was going on in his personal life. Yeah. Right? But he literally had put that together. And yeah. I was like, all right. So... In those cases where things are not making sense, be open to the possibility that there's something else going on that could be inputting into what's happening. I know for me, I don't get the pain that I eat in my body anymore. Like I can go through a day of work. I'm not exhausted anymore. And I don't walk away with the headaches and the neck and back pain like I used to. And it's not because anything's changed externally in the clinic or anything like that. It's how I'm showing up mm-hmm. and yeah. what my focus is on and my perspective that I have. And I'm going to help to the best of my ability. And that's going to be enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I, and I think you know, we believe that we're that. Okay. Well, I am a physical therapist. Yeah. And hence, and therefore, I, 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 you're stuck in this space of this is how you must operate and this is how you must be. Yep. And I think there's opening to the possibility, well, maybe there's other things on your horizon. Maybe this is, maybe this is as far as your professional journey, mm-hmm. 
this may be a stop on that professional journey yeah. or you may, or it may provoke you to, to make a shift and a change into, into how, into the spaces that you want to work in. Yeah. And that's a scary thing, mm-hmm. right? There's it a lot is. of uncertainty there. Absolutely. But maybe a necessary thing. But, but a necessary mm-hmm. thing. So yeah. it's, so yeah, I think we, we think that we get very cemented into yeah. where we believe we should be and that this is who, what I am. I am. Exactly. I am this. I am, I am yeah. this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think too, you know, for me, you know, I've, I've been in and out of the profession several times now and here I am back again. And I know that like it presented for a reason and I feel like coming back into it again is a full circle for me because I now see, Oh, wait a second. Cause last time I worked, I was still in that pain. Mm-hmm. I was still like, it was like three or three or four years ago, still in the pain, still in the like carrying mode. And now just having the shifts and the realizations and coming back and being able to practice differently. Mm-hmm. I knew, I knew that was part of my journey that mm-hmm. I needed to do. And now I get to help other people because yeah. I've, mm-hmm. I've had that realization and I've, and I've been through it. And now I know that, Oh, okay. You know, this is what's going on. Yeah. Well, I feel like we've covered a lot of ground <laughs> again. <laughs> and uh, I think there's a lot of good things that listeners can take away from our conversation with uh, Glenda today. So that's, mm-hmm. thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank and I feel like um, this is, you know, a different lens, different way of looking at it. And I think it's been very good because I think it's, again, as we've talked, when we started the show, I think we, you know, so many people are suffering, mm-hmm. struggling with yeah. burnout and maybe they don't even necessarily recognize that they maybe are in burnout mode, but in this exhausted, mm-hmm. at least the first stages of first burnout. Stage, yeah. And I hope that this conversation has given those folks maybe some sh- their own shifts of perspective, right? Yeah. Yeah. And tools maybe to start to explore that in ways that move beyond just self-care mm-hmm. uh, and looking at those beliefs, looking at the way that we are present in our interactions with patients yeah. and not carrying the the load you know of of our patients right and letting go of the worry part of caring and just being able to be present and engaged in our being with our patients so yeah so i think that this has been really good so thank you thank you thank you for being you've been very generous with your experience and just you know it's a vulnerable space to be in you know but i appreciate that you've been so generous with telling us about your journey <laughs> mm-hmm. and also about the things that you've done and mm-hmm. are doing to help other others. Yeah. yeah. So thank great. you. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. It's uh, great having you on the show today. Now, if you've been enjoying the new show, I'd love for you to leave a review on iTunes as this just helps more people find out about the podcast and we'd love to to get your feedback. And if you want to check out the show notes from the podcast, just go to ignitephysio.ca forward slash podcasts. And if there's any topics that you want us to cover, just shoot us an email at hello at ignitephysio.ca and we'll make sure to get back in touch with you and, and see what we can do there. So anyways, thanks for joining us on the show today. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.